Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. So guys, before we begin and before I open for us in prayer, I want to ask us a question to some of us sitting here. It will be the second time tonight as they have attended at both services. But the question that I want to ask us is, when you look back at this last couple of months, maybe lockdown, you know, even the, the last year, well, let's say last two years, just to make it interesting. And for the guys that have heard the question before, they, they have a little bit of more time to think about now. So when you consider the last while, and I speak to you about your relationship with God, just, just looking back over the last while, how has your relationship been with God? How are you doing? I'm going to give us a minute. And you know, maybe if you want to add to that, throwing things like, you know, what, what has God been saying to you in this time? What has He been working in you in this time? What is the purpose and the calling of God for you in the last while? Yes, Father, thank you, Lord, that I can just come before you, Lord, and ask people really consider in this time, Father, how well we've been intentional, you know, following you, Lord, pressing into you, Father, and how our relationship with you, you has been going, Father. And when it comes to the questions, Father, of, of what have you been doing in this time, Lord, saying to us, leading us to do, Lord, I just come and pray, Father, that you'd come and reveal to our hearts, Father, what the real condition is, Father. What's going on many times, Lord, when we're surrounded with one another, Lord. It's so normal, Father, and so, you know, we expect of one another many times, you know, to know, to know these things, Father, and to answer, Father. You know, what's God been saying? How's your relationship like, Father? And you know, we know as a Christian, Lord, it's, it's supposed to go well. We're supposed to know where you're leading us, Father. And many times we say a bunch of stuff, Lord, but I just come and pray, Father, for realness, Lord. You know what's going on in our hearts, Father. You know, Lord, yeah, our relationship with you are, Lord. What, what you've been saying, Father, whether we've been listening or not, how intentional we've been pressing in, Lord. I just want to come and say thank you also, Lord. Thank you that you continuously call us back to yourself, Father. Thank you that you always lead us, Lord, always guide us, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for always coming back for us. Always standing, arms open wide. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're busy working in hearts at this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of our sermon tonight is In the Vicinity of My Calling, Part 1. We're going to take a couple of weeks and, and look at this topic, you know, of, of calling and what God has called us to and what we're supposed to do. Um, you know, and as I have, have, have thought about this, you know, and what, what I've been called to do, and you know, my relationship with God, and how it's been like, I was reminded of my first sermon in this hall, you know, back in 2017, standing and, and preaching. And the title of the sermon was "Abiding in Christ." And I remember Werner phoning me a couple of months before that and asking, you know, Brian, if you were to preach on something, what would it be? I thought, and I said, abiding in Christ, you know, and the reason for that is I was, I was saved just over two years back then, and then as I, you know, went through this journey, this first couple of years, something that I continuously experienced is that people come, coming to me and saying to me the following things, you know, they said it to my wife as well, the zeal that you have, this passion, you know, really following God with everything in you, don't worry, 
the feeling will fade away. And we're like, if, if that's the case, then that's not a don't worry statement. That's a worry statement. Please worry. The feeling is going to fade away. You're going to lose your zeal and you will not be so intentional in following God. You know, and recently um, I, I told the story two weeks back of one of my friends coming to salvation in this lockdown time. The same zeal, the same passion, obviously allowing me to do some introspection, you know, when I, when I saw this. And he was one of the first guys that I remember meeting after I, I, came, I came to Christ and I met him in the gym. And I, he said, you know, speaking about a lot of things and I told him about what God has been doing in my life. And I said to him, you know, even before I come to the gym, I read two Psalms because there's only one pill and that is the gospel. And that is the main supplement that we need. You know, and I still do that when I exercise. Just to remind myself, you know, that God is in everything that we do. Everything we do is supposed to give glory unto Him, and He's always involved in every aspect of our lives. You know, and here my friend stands, and he has the zeal and this passion, and he says the same thing. You know, people come to him and say, you know, don't worry, the, the feeling will fade away, you will relax a bit. You know, and I have to admit that there's some wisdom that comes, you know, some maturity that comes through the years, you know. The first thing I think we learn as Christians is, to speak a, a bit less and to listen a bit more so that when we speak, we can actually add words of value to the people that's listening to us. Now, but even in that chaos, even in the rambling and just explaining to everyone that they should follow God because we're now following God, you know, that's basically what that testimony sounds like the first week. You know, there, there's no scripture in there. There's no, you know, exegeting passages of scripture and, and you know, doctrinal, doctrinal conversations about why. Just simply, I'm following God and you must now too. You know, but through that, God still comes and he uses that. And we bear much fruit. You know, and me and my wife, as we've been walking the road with a couple of people throughout the years, it's not a long time, you know, I'm, Many times it seems to myself as I'm speaking, as I've been in the ministry for hundreds of years. But this, this last couple of years, you know, as, as me and my wife have been walking a road with people, we've asked ourselves this question as well. You know, we, we, we heeded the warning, luckily. Luckily, we didn't say to ourselves, okay, we're going to grow passive, we're going to grow a bit cold, and that's fine. And when that happened, we were like, okay, this is what they spoke about, so let's just take this as, as normal Christian life. Luckily, we took that as a warning, and by the grace of God, we still have that zeal and passion, following Him with everything in us. Yes, we miss it sometimes. Yes, we get distracted sometimes, but still following God. And the question that we asked ourselves is, what happens? Why does this happen? And then I'm going to tell the story again. The first service, I made it without crying, so let me see if I can do it again. But in 2017, we, we went on missions to Malawi, and there was a guy that went with us, and as we were, were there, he really experienced God in an immense way, really connected to God, really, you know, saw him being intimate with Jesus, and for the first time in his life, you know, he's experiencing this beauty and glory of Jesus, and God just working through him in amazing ways, and one thing he said to me while we were there is, you know, Vian, I can't believe that I was lukewarm, I'm telling you today. I'll never be lukewarm in my life. Never again will I be lukewarm again. And that excited us a lot. You know, that's great to hear someone saying those words. A couple of months after we came back, completely disconnected with God, disconnected with the body of Christ, and completely fell away. It's like, how does that happen? 
How does that happen? In a couple of months, from someone saying, I will never be lukewarm again, to completely falling away. How does that happen? And one thing me and my wife have seen throughout the years, that there's a time in, in every Christian's life when we come initial to, to, to salvation, to, to Jesus. A couple of months ago, Boston, that first month, you know, that's glorious times. We have this great feeling inside of us, everything is new, and obviously God from his side adds a lot of momentum. You know, everything is God in the beginning, and mostly God till the end, but you know, somewhere we need to step up and add some endurance, add some discipline, add some maturity to our Christian walk. And in that first couple of months, there comes a time, and without exception, the people whom we've walked the road with will say the following. Somewhere along the line, somewhere in that first couple of months, I feel far from God. The feeling has faded away. You know, suddenly one morning or one week, I, I've discovered that that feeling fades away a bit. And I don't feel quite the same. The voice of God has begun to be a bit soft. And then obviously for, for most, and it was true for us as well, it's very disheartening. You know, what has happened? What's going on? But we've discovered that that's actually a glorious day because God is saying, okay, let's take this to another level. Let's take this a little bit deeper. I want you to come and, and add something. It's a time for you to start maturing. To add some, you know, like the Afrikaans says, gestalte tot jou geloof. Let's give some form to this faith that you have. You know, let's add some endurance. Let's add some discipline. And let me give you a greater revelation of who I am. But for that to happen, you are going to intentionally have to draw near. You're going to move past feelings now. And that's a great thing. And a lot of people do that. They hit that speed bump. Some hit the speed bump and they just stay there. Know, waiting for God to magically start some feeling or you know, start speaking to them again and they just wait there passively and they wait there for a long time unfortunately you know, some others they press through experience God in a greater and a deeper way and they you know, come to a place even where God sends them out the first time you know, experiencing something about the call of God in my life and we go out then we get distracted and that is something I think without doubt every Christian can relate to. Getting distracted. And not with bad things necessarily, many times with good things. The things that God has called us to. And the disciples, it happened, the same thing happened to them. And we're going to look at that in a moment. And some people also stay there for quite a long time. Some people are hitting that original speed bump. Some people getting distracted many times, days, weeks, years. Stay in that place of passivity. And the Christian life just becomes routine. You know, we, we know that we're supposed to come to church, join a small group, read our Bible and pray every now and again. But it's mostly routine. And whenever you speak to someone that's in that place, and you ask them the question about how's your relationship with God, or you ask the question, your calling, what's it about? Purpose. What has God made you for? What is God saying to you at this time? What happens at that moment is the same thing that happens when you get an exam paper and there's a question and you know of the question but you don't know the specific answer. And you just start writing. And as we've spoken to many people, you know, we just start speaking, saying a lot of Christian things. You know, disciples, obviously making disciples, it's in there. Spending time with God, reaching people for Christ. Praying for the lost, you know, and we just start to, to say something, you know, and what becomes clear is the title of tonight's sermon. Basically what we say at that place is, I'm in the vicinity of my calling. It's around here somewhere. I'm not sure where specifically, but somewhere here. 
I know it has to do with something that I'm busy with. Church, small group, the place where God has placed me, my family. It's around here somewhere. And God being very gracious, sovereign and merciful, even allows that, you know, when we add that place to, to sometimes hit the bullseye and we get it right. Someone comes to Christ, some, something happens, something is established in someone's life, something is added to your faith. And God being gracious and sovereign allows that to sometimes work for us. But the problem is mostly it's not true. Mostly we miss it. Mostly we're in the wrong room when we're in the vicinity. And when we look back at our lives, I'm not saying you know, that there should be, always be this moment where you, know, you hear the bells of heaven ringing and an angel coming down to congratulate you when you're walking in your calling. But we know, you know when, we, when we're intentionally and purposefully following God and when we're just drifting around, when we're honest with ourselves, we know. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, if we're there, what do we do to, to get out of it? To be more specific in following Christ, more intentional. Where will the zeal come from again? Where will the fire be ignited again? And tonight we're going to look at that. We're going to read a chapter, a passage of scripture in Mark 3, from verse 13 to 15. And it finds itself in the context of Jesus speaking to the disciples. Now, if you want to, you know, get the full puzzle of the picture, what's going on here, you can take Matthew 9, the end of Matthew 9, and you can take Mark chapter 3 and Luke 6. And if you put them together, you'll get the full picture of what happened. But basically, Jesus going out, seeing the crowds, had compassion. At the end of Matthew 9, he says, Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. That is what Jesus said. Luke 6, he goes up on a mountain and spends the night in prayer. He comes down and he goes up with his disciples again. And that is where we pick up the story in Mark 3.13. It says the following... And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, you know, that in brackets. You know, saying that this type of calling that Jesus died is not limited to the apostles. He also called these people apostles, but it's not limited to them. With everyone he calls, it will work this way. And he says, so that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Now, VM, you can just leave that screen on there. I'm going to read this passage for us again. I'm going to read it slowly. And what I want us to focus on is what is the one thing that the disciples are actively doing in this passage? There's one thing that they're doing. Jesus is saying a lot of things, you know, bearing in mind that eventually they will go out. Eventually they will cast out demons. Eventually they will heal and raise the dead. That will eventually happen, something that they need to do. But initially, what are the disciples doing? What's the one thing that they're doing? Jesus is, you know, he's, he's having the picture in mind what, why, and when he's calling them. But look at the one thing that they do. It says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. The one thing that the disciples did was come to him. That's the only thing. So that they might be with him. And Jesus says, eventually there will come a day when I'm going to send you out. I will give you authority to, to deal with the things that you will face on your journey. But now, as I'm calling you, just come to me. The whole early you know, disciples' journey was basically that. 
Read the same in Mark 1 verse 17. It's not going to be on the screen or on the board. Jesus saying to the disciples, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Again, Jesus knowing why he's calling them, what's about to happen. And what did they do? They followed him. Simple. That's it. They came to Jesus. They followed Jesus. That's the only thing that they did. And when, whenever we come to Jesus initially, and we experience that zeal, that passion to follow him with everything in us, that's the only thing we've done. We've just come to Jesus. We didn't read through the whole Bible. We didn't fast for days and months. We did nothing. We simply came to him. We didn't preach the gospel to a thousand people. We didn't raise the dead. We didn't drive out demons. We simply came to Jesus. You know, and as I was thinking about this friend of mine that also recently came to salvation, that's the only thing he did. He simply came to Jesus, you know, and as he phoned me and said, you know, Brown, I want to come and speak to you and explain to you the things that God has been doing in my life. And he comes over and he sits in a room and at the back of where he's sitting, there's a whiteboard against the wall. And on the whiteboard, I've been writing down in this last couple of months as I've been reading articles and books about people speaking about the culture of discipleship. I've been writing down what they say and you know, drawing the little circles and the diagrams that they draw. And one thing that's evident throughout these books, you know, that they continue to say is, don't be too rushed. This is going to take time. It's going to take four or five years. And eventually, maybe, some of the people might even share their faith with someone else. But it's going to take a long, long time. And here sits my friend that came to salvation, and it took him one day. All that he did is he came to Jesus. And I understand what they're saying, you know, the, for the culture to be there, for it to be intentional and, you know, always happening with everybody that's here. I get that it's going to take time, but for this guy, it took one day. And for them, even saying, you know, that if, if some, you know, might even, if it, it's exceptional, they might even share their faith. They might really go out and be intentional about reaching the lost. Yeah, this guy's one day. And he goes and he proclaims what God has done in his life just because he simply came to Jesus. You see, when, when we come to Jesus, when the abiding in Christ and when the coming to Christ is intentional, the rest will flow out natural. That is the one thing that we should focus on. And that is the one thing Jesus continually called the disciples to. There was a couple of times that he actually called them to himself before he sent them out. You might think, wow, that's strange. Jesus just, you know, saying that this is a kind of an important principle that I'm teaching you here. Even before you did anything, you know, come to me. And they're like, Jesus, you already called us to follow you. You're already here. And he says, no, come to me again anew. This is something that you will continually have to do. And when I send you out, you're going to have to come back again. Then they needed to do that physically because Jesus was physically on the earth. But we will go with God as Jesus' Spirit leads us continually wherever we go. He doesn't wait at home and we plug out like a phone being on charge. Spend time with God and I'm going to go to work and maybe, I don't know how long, maybe you know, it's one of those things where the phone's battery in the beginning lasts longer than it does at the end. So in the beginning we can go a week without connecting. But then we need every 10 minutes. It doesn't work like that. We continuously need to connect to Jesus and to abide in Him. And you know what, what happens eventually? The disciples get sent out and that happens to us as well. We go and we focus on the calling or to go and reach people and we get distracted.
And the same thing happened to the disciples. Now, Jesus sent out first the 12 and then later the 72. We read about it in Luke 10. And look what happens. You know, Jesus saying this principle to us. He called them so that they can be with him, so that he can send them out to preach and cast out demons. In that order, this is how it's going to work. You're going to abide in me, then you're going to go and establish kingdom principles, and then you're going to destroy the works of darkness. In that order, abide, establish, destroy. And we'll look at that in the, week, in the weeks to come, but now we're going to focus on this abiding principle. Jesus telling them, remember to abide, remember to be with me. That's the main focus. Luke 10, verse 17, Jesus sends out the 72 and, and they return. And look what they are focused on. Look what makes them happy about this whole journey. You know, the focus has shifted a little bit. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They focused on the last point, destroying the works of darkness instead of continuously focusing, Lord, we came back with joy because now we can be with you again. Now, Lord, this was so fun, you know, the demons even obeyed us. This is great fun. And Jesus says to them, yes, I did, I did see Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I did give you all authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and they won't hurt you. Nevertheless, verse 20, do not rejoice in this. Do not find your hope in this. Do not focus on this mainly. Do not be encouraged by this mainly. But rejoice, find your hope in, be encouraged by and focus on that your names are written in heaven. And what Jesus is basically saying to them, if that is what you're focusing on, if that is where you get your joy from, that will pass away. We won't always preach the gospel. We won't always drive out demons. But one thing that will never change that will always remain is that our relationship with Jesus will be for eternity. It's the one thing that will last. It's the one thing of your calling that will remain for eternity, that is to be with Jesus. It will never change. Never, 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 ever. A day will come when we pass on and the gospel will not be preached anymore. Because where we go, hopefully, all of them have heard it. <laughs> it's just a joke. Um, all of them will have heard it, where we go. There will be no demons there. They will be cast into the lake of fire. But one thing will be then, that is God himself giving light to all creation. The one thing that will always stand is our relationship with God. And that is what we're called to focus on. And this morning while we were worshipping that Afrikaans service, Maria also shared the scripture that was in his heart. Psalm 27 verse 4, David saying, One thing I ask of the Lord, one thing will I seek. This is the one thing, this is the main focus, this is the priority. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord and gaze upon his beauty all the days of my life. That is what I'm seeking. That is what I'm asking of God. If I have to offer one thing, that is you, Lord. I want to be near to you. I want to gaze upon your beauty. David's not saying that's the only thing he did. That would make him a bad ruler. He was king. Wars needed to be fought. People needed to be governed. But he's saying this is the main thing. This is first and foremost the thing that I seek after, that, I, that I'm giving myself to. That is to follow God and to be with God all the days of my life. That is the thing. And I want to ask us, you know, there we, you're sitting at home, us here in church. How is your relationship with God? How's the abiding? How's the, the main thing? How's it going? And Ravi Zacharias used to say, tell me about your prayer life and I will tell you about your walk with God. Very interesting coming from a very academic man. Don't say, 
tell me about how much time you spend in scripture, that, that is very important and that needs to come with prayer. Start giving your prayer life. That intimate part where we connect with God. Not only the amount of time you spend in prayer, but the direction of your prayers. To receive what? God himself, the things of God. It's my greatest heart. Great, more of you, Lord, more of you, greater revelation of you. Oh, Lord, give me authority to cast out demons. That follows, and that is there as well, and we need to pray for the lost as well. But the main thing is the main thing, to be near to God. And one thing that's always been true, no matter who you take throughout the ages, faithful guy that's lived out his call, faithful woman that lived out her call, one thing that will always be there is intimacy with God, undeniably. Intimacy with God. Rabbi Zacharias, he tells the story of David Livingston, one of the first missionaries to come to Africa. His wife came with him, got malaria, she went back. Five years he didn't see his wife. Eventually she comes back, she doesn't recognize him because his eye was poked out with a stick and a lion tore off his left shoulder. Walking with a limb, looking all strange, literally didn't recognize him. She gets malaria again and she dies. He buries his wife and you're asking, what is keeping this guy going? Not living in the vicinity of his calling, but he's busy doing what God has called him to do. What's keeping him going? Eventually he gets malaria. And he comes off to one of the ministry stations and can't even walk. That's how fatigued he is. And he asks a couple of people to carry him to his room. They carry him to his room and he says to them, won't you help me just to get on my knees? I never go to sleep without praying. They help him on his knees and they wait outside the room. And they check in every now and again to see if he hasn't fallen over. Eventually one says, no, this has really been a long time. We need to go and check. And they tap him on the shoulder. He's dead. And Ravi says, what a fitting way to go. Speaking to the one whom he's about to meet. The literal last thing that he did was pray. And his life was marked by prayer. Intimacy with God. That will lead not only to the vicinity of our callings, but to hit it spot on. Because God is the one that leads that sense. When we're with him, we will hear his voice to go out. And we don't hear his voice. Good chance that we're not in proximity to him to hear his voice. That takes us to the first point. Above all, we are called to be with Jesus. Above all, that will always be your calling. That's the only eternal thing about your calling. It's that you will always be called to be with Jesus. You know, me and my wife, as we've sit also, and, and, we, and we wonder, you know, about the times that we've, you know, met with people or that we've, you know, tried to be intentional about reaching people and speaking with people and investing in their lives for them to invest in ours. And sometimes, you know, we, 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 looked at, we look at each other afterwards and it's like, oh, we missed it. And we, we, we can really sense that nothing good has happened here. No fruit, no lasting significance. And again, it's not because the bells of heaven rang and the angel didn't come and greet us. But there's something that we know, like, and maybe, you know, obviously times like that, we don't always sense it. God still uses it in His sovereignty. But we know that we weren't intentional now. Other times we know, okay, what God wanted us to do, to receive, to impart, that happened. We know that that happened now. And when we considered why that is, it's always because of abiding in Jesus. The times when we felt nothing good happened or we didn't really know what God wanted to do, we weren't intentional in abiding in Christ. 
the other times we're intentional. I'm not speaking about the specific situation. It's not as if we spend days praying about that specific day, that specific person, about what God wanted to do them. Just speaking in general. We were disconnected from God in general. We, we were in that place of passivity. And then it's difficult to see what God wants to come and do because we're not intentional in abiding in Him and seeking Him. And look at what God says in John 15 verse 5, speaking about the same principle. It says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And God being an eternal God with an eternal focus, speaking about eternally, and he says, in light of eternity, if you don't abide in me, you can do nothing. The things that you've done whether you, in the times where you're not abiding in me, that will fade away, it will be of no significance. But when you abide in me intentionally, that will give much fruit. I want to ask us, you know, if you say that you're intentionally abiding in Christ, is your life marked by much fruit? It says here that he it is that bears much fruit. Not he it is that could sometimes maybe bear little fruit. He it is that bears much fruit. Because that is grace. When we abide in the one that sustains us, we bear much fruit. Not when we try hard, not when we, you know, really intentional about getting there or getting to people or, or you know, reading a lot of books to, to answer questions. Well, no. When we abide in Him, that is grace. And then there's the story in Acts 13. I'm going to wrap up quickly. In Acts 13, where Paul and Barnabas just comes back from the journey to Jerusalem. It says in the end of chapter 12, Paul and Barnabas, they were done with their ministry in Jerusalem, having rendered the service that they were to render. They brought Mark with them. The first thing that they do in chapter 13, so they went to church in Antioch, and what were they doing? Just after they successfully went and completed the mission, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Intentional again about pressing into God. And what happens? And the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I've called them. And I felt that in the first service, and I, I feel the same way now. You know, God is saying to some of us, There needs to be some, some fasting and worshiping. Some worshiping and fasting, not for breakthrough in some area that we need at work or, you know, physically or emotionally or anything. Just simply, Lord, your presence is what I seek. The bridegroom's not here. That's why we're fasting. That's why we're setting ourselves aside. There's a scripture in Isaiah 10 verse 12 that says, Seek the Lord until He comes and rains down righteousness upon you. Seek the Lord until He comes. And God is giving us that invitation today once again. And the thing is, you know, that God is not the one that holds back. He's not the one that draws back. He says, If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. And I reward those who diligently seek me. That is what God is saying, you know. And to end off with Isaiah 5, it says the following. This is God speaking about Israel back then, and it finds itself in a bit of a negative context. But just the chapter before that, it speaks about the branch of the Lord, speaking about Jesus, the true vine that will come and cause people to bear much fruit. And Jesus, God says the following in Isaiah 5. He says, Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stone and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it, and he hewed out a wine fat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. 
and now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? And God's saying, I'm not the one holding back. I'm not the one that you know, doesn't want you to bear fruit. Or when you come to plug in, you don't find me. Or when you want to speak to me, I'm not there. No. That's not me. And in fact, I've even you know, to just add to that, I'm sending the branch of the Lord, the true vine that is Jesus, to make it even more easy for us to plug in, to draw near. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the water of life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. And I'm the good shepherd that came to lay down my life to give you life and life in abundance. And if you don't experience it, it's not because I'm holding back. I've literally come to do everything. And again, you know, at this point, it just sends again, God saying to us, the enemy at this point wants to come and condemn. Say, look, God's doing everything. Why are you, why are you running away again? Why are you distant again? Why have you drawn away again? Don't listen to the voice of condemnation. God's saying, I'm standing, arms wide open. Jesus, every morning, calling us to abide in Him. Again and again, the Good Shepherd stands, going fetching the one that went astray, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, coming to fetch us. Oh, how wonderful. The Savior that we serve, the King that came for us, continuously following and pursuing us. That takes us to the last point. Jesus will always be waiting and calling us to come to Him. And the scripture says in Hebrews that because of the work of Christ, because of our faithful high priest, you can draw near with boldness and confidence to the throne of grace. Because of the work of Christ, always standing, inviting us to come. Every morning when you wake up, that call will be there. And Jesus went up on a mountain and called those me desired. The question is not whether Jesus called or not. The question is, did we come? Did we come when he called? Are we with Jesus? And Jesus is again inviting us to just simply be with him, to come to him. You know, Jesus said just before his crucifixion, when I'm lifted up, when the Son of Man is lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Saying that there is no stronger temptation to be drawn to Jesus than seeing the crucified King die for you and me. That's why Paul writes, the love of Christ compels me. Because we have concluded that one has died for all, therefore all has died. So that when we live, we live for Him. That is the beauty of the Gospel. God will always call us until the day He comes back. To abide again in Him. And I want to ask us there, where you are at home, where we are in church. I'm going to just end off us in prayer, but you're going to go into breakout rooms. Yeah, we're going to go into breakout seats. Just turn to one another and chat about how is your relationship with God going? It comes to calling, direction, purpose, the voice of God in your life. And don't be that guy that got the question and knows of the question, but not the specifics. Share honestly your heart, whether you're near or far. Pray for one another and share with one another what God is busy doing in our lives. Okay, let me just end us in prayer before we go into our rooms. Yes, Lord, thank you, Father, that, our oh, Lord, we eat your invitation, Father, seeing that you're calling us and you to yourself, Lord. And, yeah, Father, thank you, Lord, that every time, Lord, I've heard you at intercession in my own quiet time, Lord, as a church, Father, you saying, come to me again, Lord, just stood with, with one day and all, Lord, again, you're calling us again, Lord. We've wandered away again, but you've called us to you again. 
And for those of us, Lord, who feel very near, Lord, and connected to you, thank you, Father, because it's by your grace that we have that. It's because of your goodness, Lord, that we've not drifted away. And what we're hearing tonight, Lord, again, a good shepherd calling his sheep to draw near just because of your grace, Lord. Thank you, Father, that yeah, the Christian life is not about what we've done, Lord, but because of who you are, Lord. And that's why you did what you did, because of who you are, loving God that came and died for sinful people, that we might know you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we'll always remember that the eternal part of our calling will always be to be with you. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Enjoy the breakout rooms, guys, and we can just yeah, take some time turning to one another and praying as well.